Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This, where we move through the scriptures week by week (laughs) in the New (laughs) Testament this year. We're so glad that you are here. Um, Today, we are super excited. It has got some, I know we say this every single week, but listen, this is what I love about the beginning of the New Testament. Really? And not just all of scripture in general? Okay, all of scripture (laughs) in general, that is true. But Particularly the first half of the New Testament, just like, if, if you're just like, tell me who he is. Let me learn his heart. Let me learn his character. Like, are you just yeah. story after story? Yeah, tell me the stories of Jesus. Right, is, is what it, it is. And yeah. so you just, you end one cha- section of them and you're just like, those were my favorite ones. And then you open the next one and you're just like, oh my gosh, these are so, so good. So more of those um Today, John 7 through 10 is where we are going to be. We're calling this one, I am the good shepherd. He is going to give this analogy that's so well known um, in one of the chapters and one of the stories that we're we're at today. So we are super excited. Yeah, we're going to go to John 7 is where we're going to start. And I hope you had a good Easter, I guess, by now. Yeah, true. It's after Easter and after conference, even though we're still recording before. Before our conference, because <laughs> we're catching up while we're gone in Israel, everyone. So we're just so far ahead. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start in John 7. And one of the things that we love about this lesson and, and this set of stories is people have gotten to the point in Jesus's ministry where they're starting to now really wonder, like, who is he? Yeah. What yeah. is he doing? What is this all about? Um, people are getting really like, not just thinking about it inside, but actually asking questions about what's happening right now and what's going on. And John 7 starts out like that with a lot of questions that people are wanting to know. Does anybody know who this is? Um, in 27, it talks about how do we know who this man is? And Jesus says, you both know me and you know where I'm from. But people are like, but I mean, is this really the Messiah. And this is the questions that are starting to happen now in all of these conversations. Some, even I was going to say, even at the beginning, it's, it's a conversation with his brothers, you know, and maybe they yeah. really were his real life brothers, or maybe it was the disciples right. who were just like, announce to everybody who you are, yes. like go in and become the king that you're supposed yeah, and just to be. Tell and, them. Right. Um, people are like, of a truth, this is the prophet in 40. Others are saying in 41, this is the Christ. Like people are starting to really want to know who who is this and what is going on and all of these questions are happening and all of a sudden we get to see Nicodemus again in verse 50 Um, and it tells us that Nicodemus is going to say to them and then I love in the parentheses when they're like in case you don't remember Nicodemus he's the one that came to Jesus by night being one of them and he said does does our law judge any man before it hears him and before it knows what he does. And I love right at the get-go, he's like, "We, it is our nature, it is our religion that before you judge anyone, you both listen to what he teaches, but you watch 
how he acts. And, and we wouldn't do that until we had all spent time doing that. And, and, and I just want to say maybe in connection with that, there's that awesome line that he teaches in here. Um, because you almost get this, now I'm just thinking this through a theme throughout these chapters is this idea of everyone's like, just say it. Yes. And he's like, watch what I do. And he and teaches hear what that, I teach. and hear what I teach. But where was that awesome line in here where he says, is it verse 17? It. Oh yeah. Where he even says, if you want to know whether, cause there's that debate, he's a good man. And then the other's like, no, he's deceiving people. And he's like, listen, take what I'm teaching and do it and see what happens. Like, just don't, like, you don't have to yeah. like, we, you, you don't can have, have your to trust own, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, have your own experience yeah, you it. with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love when Nicodemus says that. It makes the other Pharisees so mad. And they answer and say unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Which is one of my favorite questions in all of the whole entire New Testament is that thought of like, wait, are you also of Galilee? Like, are you caught up in this? Are you one of them is kind of the question that they're asking. And right off the bat, it makes me think about how do you know who someone is for, yeah. right? And jerseys are such a great example of that. Like if you walk into a game, any game, baseball, basketball, football, anything, you can walk in and I don't have to say to anyone for the most part, who are you cheering for? Yeah. Uh, they don't even have to tell me because look, I immediately know who those guys are cheering for. I know who they belong to. If you're listening on the podcast, we have a front row Broncos section. They've painted their faces. They've got their uh, orange wigs on. They're in their jerseys of their favorite player. And I just know, I know who they're cheering for. And in essence, that's what the Pharisees are asking here is, are you also of Galilee. Are you one of them? Are you following him? And we were talking about this earlier today. Um, what does it look like to actually be a disciple of Christ? What does that look like? And what's should your, it what's look your like something? Yeah. 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 Could well, you tell right yeah, off? Yeah. Would you be able to tell right off um, that somebody was a follower of Christ? And it reminded me of last year when we were in Israel and I was talking to our Israeli guide, Elon, who we just love. And um, we had been talking because it is true in Israel, if you are Jewish, you eat a certain way. They call it kosher. Um, and it affects what you will and won't eat. And even like at meals in the morning at breakfast, you won't ever find meat because there is dairy. And at dinner, you won't find dairy because they're serving meat usually at dinner. There's certain foods just don't go together. And also even the way that they cook, particularly on the Sabbath, will affect what foods they would be eating on the Sabbath. So there is like a, a way of eating that is true for that religion. But there's also a way of dressing. Also within that religious practice, there are undergarments that they wear that is part of how they dress and it affects their clothing that they wear. And sometimes you'll even see a hint of it just hanging down. The tassels of that undergarment will hang down outside of their pants. And so I was like, we're really similar to that. We also 
have a, a certain way we eat. We call it the word of wisdom. We're not kosher, but we call it the word of wisdom. And I talked about our holy garment that we wear that is similar. And I said to him, does that ever come up in conversations as bothering people or like I was, I told him at home, there are a lot of conversations back and forth about if that's um, an ancient practice or old school or if it will ever change. And he said the most interesting thing to me. He said, we eat differently and we dress differently. And for us, it's both an ethnicity and a religion. It's a culture. It's part of our culture, but also part of our religion. And then he said this line that I have never forgotten. He said, the culture should define you as religious. And I love the thought of that because mm. it's almost as what as if it is what Jesus was saying. If you will just watch what I do, you will know what I teach. You will know who I am. You will know what I believe. Um, I just have to watch what they do and I know who they align with right away. Mm -hmm. it, it's so easy for me to see that. And I love when Elon was like, well, that should be true about your religion. Your culture should actually define you as religious. And I feel like that's what the Pharisees were saying here is, are you also of Galilee? Are you also with him? Are you a follower of him is what they were trying to discern. and. I just think to myself, first of all, I love Galilee. I love it. If you have ever been there or if you will ever go there, you will fall in love with just everything about that place, the peace, the stories, the history, the miracles, everything that yeah. happened there. You just fall in love with it. And my immediate response wants to be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am from Galilee also. I want to be known as that. But in our day today, uh, maybe we would, we would adhere to, are you also from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? And my answer would be, yes, I believe in that. Yeah. And I love that the next couple chapters are going to show us kind of those marks, right? You would see yes. marks of, oh, it, you know, these people are marked as Broncos and like almost like these are the marks of the Messiah. Remember that the argument in that chapter seven that kind of got them into this debate was him healing the man back in um, chapter five at the pools of Bethesda. Like, are you allowed to do that on the Sabbath? And yes. he's just like, hold on, you're missing what the marks of the Messiah actually are. Let me show you what they actually are. So one of those that we'll see in this next segment, um, this is John chapter eight. Um, it starts off, uh, Jesus is there in the temple. So this is important. This, these conversations are happening at the temple. He's there for the Feast of the Tabernacles, which if you were with us last year, we celebrated. You build your booths, right? Yes. And it's those seven days that you're there. And um, people would come into Jerusalem for several of the holidays, and this is one of them. Most of the time, Jesus is spending his time in the Galilee area, which is like an hour drive north if you're in a car. Um, and he, <laughs> not, not, not the walk. Yeah. So, um, but he comes down for some of the festivals and that's why he's in Jerusalem. He's there at the temple and he's teaching at the temple and, um, it would have been pretty crowded because it's a festival time and a lot of people who are there. And at the beginning of this, as he's sitting down teaching, 
um, this woman is brought in, it says, right into the midst. They set her in the midst. So it's just like a bustling place of, of people. And they bang the doors open and drag this woman in and throw her down in the midst and then announce to everybody who is there, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. And you just could think, who, what kind of people are going to be at the temple that day? And what kind of spectacle that yes. this was, that they were creating this commotion, um, using her to try and trap him in this you know, trick where he says, okay, the law of Moses commands that she should be stoned. But what do you say? Because we've heard you talk about second chances and forgiveness and everything. And so um, they are using this woman to try and trap him in this difference between, you know, are you going to adhere? Are you going to turn against the law of Moses? You know, or are you going to, you know, preach forgiveness like, like you have been doing? What are you going to do? And I think this next part is actually, it is... When they say, you know, when he comes in, they're like, are you from Galilee? It means because he does things differently, right? They're like, yes. well, you're so different. And this next part, thing that he does is so different. It says this. It's maybe one of the strangest things. He says, he stoops down on the ground and with his finger, he wrote in the ground as though he didn't even hear them. So like you are just imagine this like commotion, like everything. And they're like p pitting him against like, you know, what are you going to do? What do you say? You know? And, and um, he just stops and just starts coloring, you know, in the dirt down on the ground. And you love and, when it's like as if he doesn't even hear them. Right. Like he's on purpose ignoring them. Like, and, and, and like, it's not like, you know, like, are you allowed to jaywalk? You know, or something. <laughs> it's like a really intense, like, we just got, they just announced this woman's sins and it wasn't stealing candy. Yeah. You know, it's yes. like, it's in a really, really intense moment. And he just, <laughs> you know, just starts coloring in the dirt. And, and they were like, what are you doing? Right? They said, wait, like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, they're like, listen to us. Yeah. We're asking you. About this woman, they just keep talking, keep talking. He's just drawing. Yeah. And then he stands up and he says this line that you're super familiar with. He that's without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And I, this answer is actually, I was just thinking about this this morning for the very first time where I was like, oh, you kind of remind me of King Solomon. Where like, this is something a king would do. People would bring their judgment cases mm. to him. And he is showing this really, really like um, high level wisdom for everybody. Um, and just kind of saying like, listen, I think law is important. But if you want to talk about who's keeping the law, yeah. if that's what we want to talk about, then who's keeping the law here? Yeah. Right? Um, and... It says it convicts everybody in their own conscience. They're like, oh, that's right. I mean, if we're going to start pointing fingers at who's not keeping the law, you know, then it, you know, it says they drop their stones and they walk out of the place. But I think the thing that's sweetest about this is actually that drawing in the ground. Because um, you just think for just a second, when they drag this woman into the temple, 
where are everybody's eyes? Who is everybody thinking about? Who is everybody looking at? And she is just the center of attention. But if he starts drawing in the ground, like weirdly almost, he takes all attention off of her and he brings it all onto him. And now no one's even looking at her anymore. And, he, and, and then the question takes attention back into everybody else, like for them to just think about them, their own lives instead of, you know, somebody else. And there's something about that that's just like, he, he just takes it from her. And at yeah. the end of this chapter, they actually will pick up stones, you know, against him. And yes. that's interesting that's in the same chapter. Yeah, He's it is. like, let me take it from you and actually bring, bring it, on, it on myself onto me. And I love too, and I love when you can see this picture that we have up here of him just stooping down to where she is. One of my favorite ways I was ever taught this story was someone had us watch what was happening as they read through it. And I love that he stooped down to where she was. He met her where she was in that place at her level. And he lifted her life and her soul and her broken up from that yeah, place. And yeah. I, I just think it's so sweet that he stoops down and he does that for all of us. Like he comes into the messiest parts of our story and that's where the lifting begins. And I, I just think that's a beautiful thing to yeah, remember and, about him. And I do love that the way that that ends, you know, where he just says... Have, who, where are your accusers? Has no man yeah. condemned you? And to condemn means a final judgment on somebody, right? And he says, like, your story's not over, is what he essentially says. He says, but this is not for you. Go and sin no more. Yeah. Like, there's a reason the law was spoken against it. Like, it'll, yeah. it'll ruin you. Yes. Change. Yes. Go be someone, go be someone better. better. And, and then, and then, in the midst of all that, they watch that, they ask that question, you know, that we started with, which is, who are you? Yeah, Back in, all the in people who are watching. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, you know? Yeah, it, it comes back, the focus comes back to him, just right. like you were saying. Who, who are you? Yeah. Like, does he have power to forgive sin? Right. Right? So and, now, and that you handled that situation that was so volatile. Yes. You know? And it's like, you're the only one in the room who could have condemned and you, you quieted that down and like, yeah, who are you? Yeah, you I know? love that. And then we move into John 9, which is also one of my favorite stories. Um, and the question that we're going to have from here starts out with this story. They pass by and they see this man who was blind from his birth. And immediately his apostles say to him, who sinned, him or his parents? Which is really helpful for us because we don't understand Jewish culture very well. To realize in those days, if somebody was born with something that was wrong, that afflicted them in any manner, it immediately meant there was sin mm -hmm. involved in that thing. And so they were like, well, because he was born this way, did his parents sin? Did he sin? And imagine being that man and those parents your whole life and your faith community every day since the day your child was born wonders what your sin is. Yeah. Every time they look at you, you carry that for your whole life. Mm. That's how this boy grew up. And 
Jesus just immediately says, this man didn't sin and neither did his parents. The reason why he's like this is so the works of God could be made manifest through him, through his story, right? And part of that works of God is going to be a miracle at the end. But I have a best friend who was blind and I saw the works of God manifest in her life and she was still blind when she died. And so the works of God doesn't necessarily have to mean the miracle he got at the end, but all through his life, it was the things he knew about God because he walked into church and was shunned every time he walked in there. He had to figure out who God was because of the trial he had been given. And um, then he says to them, I am the light of the world. Like, I understand this man. I understand the darkness. I understand everything that mm-hmm. he's dealing with. And I am the light. And I will be the light for him. Whether or not the healing comes, I will be the light for and, him. And I just love that idea of just him. Whenever we say he's the light of the world, I love saying, like, I want to see things through in your presence, like through yeah, your, your perspective, perspective, through the way that you shine up a situation. Yes. I'm just like, oh, you've gotten so narrow-minded about something. Can I illuminate yep. this a little bit and let you see things like, oh, like, you know, like yeah. as a parent, I want to like parent with that more bright, yeah. open perspective. I want to be a neighbor with that perspective, just that. He's like, hold on, you're so focused yes. on something and it's causing you to like be hurtful to yeah. people. Let me like... Expand your vision. Yeah. yeah, expand your sight. And then as soon as he says that, he spits on the ground and he makes clay and he anoints the eyes of that man with clay. And then he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went his way and therefore and washed and came again seeing. And then the neighbors start asking questions. They're like wait a minute, what just happened? Because we've known you your whole life and you've never been able to see till now. And again, just like we are with all the stories in this chapter that started out with like, who is this? Who is he? Where's he from? And what's happening? We're going to go through that again. That verse nine is so awesome. When like everyone's talking, they're like, is this him? And he's like, no, I think it just looks like him. Or You know, they're talking and all of a sudden he answers. He's like, it's me. Yes. And I, I, I always want him to say, like, y'all, I was blind, not deaf. Like, I yeah, hear you hear talking. you're saying. <laughs> yes, I'm him. This is so true. And it's so fun to watch this progression of what is going to happen because of that. They're like, who healed you? And he starts out like this a man called Jesus in verse 11. And then everybody leaves, and he's like, he just, he washed my eyes. He told me to go to the pool and wash. Now I can. I came back. I don't know where he is, but I can see Mm. now. And so then the Pharisees come and they're like, okay, who opened your eyes that you could see? And he's like, I don't know, but I, I think maybe he was a prophet right now. He's thought about it long enough. He's like, maybe it wasn't just a man. Like now that I'm thinking about it, I bet he probably was a prophet. He says in verse 17. And so then they go to the parents and they're like, who healed him? The Pharisees say, and they're like, we don't know. Go back and ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. And they're saying this on purpose because if they align with Jesus, if they put on that jersey, 
they will be kicked out of their synagogue, which is so interesting to me because meanwhile, those people have looked down on them and shunned them their entire life, but they don't want to be kicked out of that place. And if anyone confesses he's the Christ, he's kicked out of the synagogue. And so then they come back to the blind man in verse 25 and they say, who is he? We want to know if he is a sinner or no. And he says, I know not, he tells them. This is, there's only one thing that I know, and it is this. Whereas I was blind before now, I can see. This is all I can tell you. Yeah. This is what you need to know, which don't you just love how simple it is? Yes. And I, I like, I think this is the verse that caused amazing grace to be written, you know, yeah. or inspired like one of those lines. But I just like love that idea of back to like chapter seven, where he's just like, Jesus says, try the works of, and see what happens. And like, I just love that this guy's like, listen, I, I don't know where he's from. I don't know what... Let me tell you the fruits of my experience with yeah. him. That's this is all what I he have. did. Yeah. This is all I have to show you. And I, I love that. It's like, why are, why are you here? Yep. Because you understand all the doctrinal... No, 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 no. I'm here because this. I was this way. I met him and now this is different. I'm yeah. like, I'm different. Yes. And you love in 27 when he says to them, I told you already and you did not hear. So do you want me to say the same thing to you again? Because I already told you. And they said, we don't know where he came from. We don't know who he is. They're still asking these same questions. And he finally says to them, so now first he was like, he's a man. Then he was like, I think maybe he was a prophet. Now in 33, he says, if this man was not of God, he could do nothing. So I'm pretty sure he came from God. And then I love in 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out of the synagogue, right? They cast him out. He is no longer welcome. And there is this line that says, and when he had found him. And I love this because we talk a lot about Jesus going after lost sheep. But I love that this is a story about Jesus going after a lost boy. Like he really went and found him. He asked around, where is that man who once was blind? I love that he really goes after lost boys. That's what he does. And girls and, you know, anyone. He goes after the lost. And this is my favorite uh, verse about that. And he says to him, do you believe on the Son of God? And he says, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talks with you right now. And then finally his testimony comes full circle. He's gone from a man to a prophet to of God. And then in 38, he says, Lord, I believe. And he worships him. And I just love this progression of coming out of blindness mm-hmm. that we see it um, immediately when he washes, but you see this progression of him coming to know who Jesus is. And we were at the pool of Siloam and had a woman who has been all over the world watching people receive their sight. And she stood up and told us the just the most beautiful explanation of what that looks like. And she said, the thing that is most miraculous is after that surgery where their sight is restored, they look first to see the person who did it. 
And the second person they look to is the people who they love. And how sweet it is as someone, just a bystander, to watch the emotion in their face mm. at both of those two moments of just gratitude and love. And I just love to imagine how he would have looked at the Lord and thought, you helped me to see something that I have been searching and seeking for my entire life. And I love that the question here is, are we blind also? Because are we missing the Lord, the, the one who brings perspective and healing back into our life and light yeah. back into our life? And I love just this thought of that perspective change and how he goes after the lost one. And, and we've seen how he does it in a boy. And now we're going to talk about how he does it for the fold, right? Yeah. The story we're most familiar with. And, and I just, I, I wish 40 seems to be a sarcastic question. And I just love thinking about, we have that in your, in your journal. Yeah, but to are ask we blind it also? Sincerely, like I wish they, I, I want to ask that question, not in the tone I'm assuming, but that sincere, like, Am I not see, help me see something that I might be missing in, in you. Yeah. Right. These people were missing out. Are you, are we blind also? If I were Jesus, I'd be like, yeah, you're missing like what you could be yeah. experiencing. Yeah. That's you know? so good. Um, all right. In John chapter 10, we, Jesus gives us this really, really great analogy. And I was actually just um, right there at the, the pools of Bethesda where we love to go, they would, they call that gate right there, the sheep gate. And they would take sheep into that area to kind of wash them and prepare them to take them up to the, to the temple. And so I was just watching this um, YouTube video the other day where a guy was saying, oh, we're discovering things around this gate that make us think Jesus may have been standing at that sheep gate, you know, as the sheep are like being led in when he gives this sermon, you know, and we love that about him, that he sees things that are around him you know, to be able to teach the the lessons that he's teaching. And the one thing that he teaches in here in chapter 10 is he says, um, he verily, verily, verse one, I say unto you, he that entereth not in by the door into the sheep pole, but climbeth in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. And he starts talking about like the practices of sheep and then announces to everybody, I am the good shepherd. That is who I am. And this is the name that we chose for Jesus this week on our posters and to write on your um, print, if you have it, the, the different names of Jesus that we're collecting throughout this year of this name that um, he gives to himself um, of shepherd. And when you look at the Greek of this word, like the Greek actually does mean shepherd, um, <laughs> but it also means um, pastor, which uh, can we please adopt this word into yeah. our faith? <laughs> I love Because that I'm word. like, this word is like one that we talk about, you know, with other Christian faiths. And I was like, I actually really want this one if it means shepherd like yes. I want this word a teacher y'all you're gonna love that the greek of this word also means captain or chief isn't that so rad yeah to even think about and what's fun about this is in our journal we like think of oh let's consider the way that he shows up in our story as this but he actually will do that for you in chapter 10 he's going to say this is what it looks like to be a shepherd and i love that when you look at all of these if you were to define their responsibility in one word i think the word i would choose is protector or protection mm-hmm. offers protection 
And I love that that's what we are going to be learning about right now is what does that protection actually look like? Yeah, even those like captain and chief ones. Yeah. Like I was watching that movie last night, the the soccer boys that get stuck in the cave in oh, Thailand. Yes. Yes. Do you remember that yeah. one? And like the head of like their Navy SEALs or whatever, he's like, my first priority is my men. You know, like the, the captain over them yes. was like, I make sure that they're... Safe. Okay, and safe. Yeah. I, I take care of them. So um, this is the worksheet for this week um, that's in your journal. Or also remember, you can download this. Um, it comes in the newsletter yep. every single week. App. Yeah, or in the app. Um, because this would be such a really, really easy one of all different age groups to like take John chapter 10 and think through. First, write down what's he teach that a shepherd actually does. And then now the next step would be like, okay, have I have I ever seen this actually happening yeah, for or me? Or experienced right. it. How yeah. have I experienced it? Right. So as you go through chapter 10, you know, we'll just kind of some kind of skim through this a little bit, but you start seeing in um, verse three, for example, he says, The sheep hear my voice, I call them by their own names. I lead them out. I don't just give directions. I actually walk with them yeah, before and, them yeah and lead them he says um i know they know my voice which is so powerful for me he's like, because that's because i'm always talking to them i love that like you wouldn't know someone's voice unless they were familiar to you and unless they were consistently like yes speaking and part of the relationship yes yeah. yeah you know those like this is making me think of those um i saw this infomercial once for yes <laughs> So concerned you were watching an infomercial. Can no, I don't even know. If it was inf- I don't know what it was. It could have been Shark Tank. I don't know. <laughs> um, where they were, um, what do you call them? Fire alarm things. Yes. Smoke detectors. Yeah. But they did these studies that if you change it from the beep, beep, beep to the voice of a parent, it actually wakes the kids up. Oh, and Josh and Janae have that in their house. Remember when it was talking to us last night? Yeah, but they need to change it. To like a voice of a parent. Like they were just like, it's it's actually like a parent's voice. A kid responds to it so much better. They're like, I'm comfortable with that. Oh, I like know their own parent? Yeah, yeah. The recorded voice. Oh, you can make voice. your own. Yes, yes. Not that weird lady. No, no. Talking. Fire, fire. Not yeah, her. Get out. She doesn't Please wake anyone up. <laughs> yeah. But like the, a child responds to the voice of their own parent. parent. Oh, yes. I love that. Isn't that so awesome? Yeah. I um, was dying to hear where you were going to go with fire alarms. Yeah, see. I'm, way I'm to right. bring it home. I was on the way there, right? Um, I love in verse nine, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and find pasture. When I invite you to come in, I am bringing you into a place of healing, a place of safety, a place of pasture. Verse 10 is my awesomest thing. He compares himself to like a thief. He was like, thieves take away. But shepherds, they come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from you. I'm trying to lead you to a place where you can have life and have it more abundantly. And I love when you think about that with sheep. We have a property where we raise sheep in the summers. Hundreds of them are up there. And a shepherd actually comes and watch cares over those sheep. And one of his jobs is once they have eaten down a field completely, he will go look for a field that is just abundant in everything they will need. It needs to have trees for protection. It needs to have plenty of grass for them to eat. It needs to not be rocky or near somewhere unsafe because they just don't pay attention to where 
they're going. And that's why he goes before them because he's like, let me check. And I'm not going to find something where only half of you would be filled. Yeah, I'm going to go to the place that is abundant for what you're going to need in this next season. And when there's no longer abundance here, I will move you to the next place and, and it will have safety, but it will also have um, that everything you need in yeah. that season. Yeah. And, and then we'll just, you can just keep going through all of these. And um, let me just give one more because I love it so much in 12. He's just like, I'm not a hireling. I'm not paid by the hour here to do this. Um, if a wolf comes, I'm not going to leave you and run. If there is danger, I will not leave you. When things get difficult, I'm not going to abandon it. If, if the situation's hard, if you're hurt, if it's inconvenient, I'm not going anywhere. And I love that line in 12. He says, in fact, um, I'm the good shepherd in 14 and I know my sheep and they know me. And verse 15, he says, I will go so far as to lay down my life for my sheep. It, it, that is the extent I am willing to go. No matter what comes, I, I will not leave or give up on yeah, you. Yeah, which I love. And as you go through this chart or this worksheet with the people who you study with, it's just fun to start putting in each of these circles. Okay, what do I know about him? We also invited you to go into Psalm 23 which just teaches you a little bit more about a shepherd. And I want to point out a couple of things there that you might want to add to your list. Um, I love at the very beginning when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that word want can also be translated as lack or falling short. And don't you love that he's like, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not fall short because of him. Um, that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. I love that he's hinting right there toward, he will provide me Sabbaths. He will give me rest. And um, in verse three, and restoration. Like he has planned for me these moments to restore and rest and fill my soul. That's what a good shepherd does. I love in four when it talks about, I will, even if I walk through the valley of shadow of death, he will be there um, to yeah. help me. And then I love the one other thing that I love here is in verse five, when it says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And I love the thought of if, if he, someone prepares a table, that means in essence, there is room for you here. You belong here. There is a place here yeah. for you that I am providing for you. And in the midst of an enemy who would not allow you food or shelter or relief, I have a seat at my table that actually offers all three of those things. If you want it, right? You can come and get it. And at the end where it talks about, um, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. And I love that he's going to bring healing in to that story. That's why a shepherd would anoint is for healing a wound or um, an illness of some sort. But then I love that there's two responses meant to be made for the care of a shepherd. And one is gratitude. My cup runneth over. I just, I love that thought of that much gratitude for this much watch care. 
But there's also a line at the end that says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the second thing that is a call back to that shepherd is the promise of worship. I will show up in your house every Sabbath for the rest of my life. I will dwell in your house forever because of what you are offering and what you are bringing um, for me. And I just love that. I, I love that he's my shepherd, but I also love to think to myself, am I showing gratitude and worship in response, in response to what I am yeah. receiving? And I love that when you say like they live in that house, it's like usually anyone who lives in my house is known by our name. You know, yes. so I want to be known as one from Galilee, I want to be known as one of yours. Yes. You know, in response to wh- why, you know. What you're providing me. And the interesting thing is there were people who knew this. The woman in adultery knew this. Yeah. The blind man knew this. And their response showed that they saw what they were receiving, which is so interesting because it kind of takes us back to where we began, where he was like, if you want to know who I am, then hear what I'm teaching and see what I do. Yeah. He says that in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me because they actually listen to what I said. And they're like, wait, I love that. And I want to follow. And he says, and in, and he says in 28, and I give them eternal life. I give them life. And I love that it's a present term. We talk about that a lot, but it's like, I, when they follow, they experience life, you know? And he says, my father, this is so cute in 29, which gave them me is greater than all. And I love that he's just like, I took that, my father gave them me to watch over and to take care and to heal and to save. And he says, me and my father are one in this. This is our purpose. It's what we're about. It's what we do. I don't know what intentions you think I have, or what game you think I'm playing, but it's it's yes. my father sent me to bring life to these people. And safety. That, and, and it's what I do. Healing and relief and watch care and all of the that's yeah. what I'm doing. I'm I'm just doing what my father asked me to do. And then it says the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And then in 32 is this last question that you see in your journal. Um Jesus asks, Aunt them many good works have I showed you from my father for which of those works do you stone me and as you look back over just the stories that we have have talked about he's like which one was it was it when I healed that man and totally changed his life and and confirmed to him God's never been mad at you and gave him a whole new perspective and life and or what about the woman who I gave a second chance to, who I taught her that she could rise up from this and lead another life? Or or was it when I led someone or took care of them? Was it when I called their name? Was it when I took them to pasture? Was it for which of these are you going to stone me? Look at the works that I do. And Jesus says, the works that I do in verse 37 are the works of my Father. And if I'm not doing those works of God to heal, to protect, to save, um, to give life and to give it more abundantly. If I'm not doing those, you don't have to believe me. 
but I just want you to look at what I've said and what I've done and let that be the invitation. Yeah, I just love when you look at each of these questions after this lesson, this full lesson, and you think this was a time of questioning for them. This was a period of doubt and belief on both ends of the spectrum and everybody asking, and I think about those questions, are thou also of Galilee? Who are thou? Are we blind also? How long will you make us doubt? And for which of these works do you stone me? And I, I bring those all together and I'm like, I hear versions of all of those questions in today, mm. in the world today. And it really wants me, it, it makes me want to come back here to this. This is who I know. This is who I believe in. This is who I follow. I actually want to be known as someone from Galilee, mm -hmm. as someone who follows Christ. Um, I want to be marked as that so that people, when they hear me and they see me, they know immediately, oh, I know who she follows. I know who she aligns with. She's one of his. That's what I want to be. Yeah. And I want to ask the, the, the question that they asked after that woman in adultery, who are you? Like, I want to keep, it's been my experience that he keeps surprising me yeah. with delight. Yes. You know, for what he, how he responds, particularly to my own sins, to my own, you know, whatever they Lack, are, faults want, and lacks. And want, right, short. right. That it's yeah. just like, it surprises me that he's like, that he doesn't leave me. He's like, by now I, I should have worn out my chances. And I just love that a life with Jesus actually keeps us asking, like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, he, I could can't... it get better yes, than this? Right, yeah. right. And then, it, yeah. so help me see. Help me see you more. Yeah, you know? change my help, perspective. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and help me do your works and live in, in the life that you give. So yeah. it's just such a, this, I love this. I love it. I love that it causes the division. Because we really live in a time like that. And it's like, wait, come down to really, really simple. Yeah. Like it's him that we follow. Yeah. This is who he is. Are you on his side? Yeah. Yeah. So All good. right. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.